Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode 109. Invest the mistakes we made in the past. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dividend Talk. Today, European DJ and I will talk about some of the investing mistakes we've made in the past. We have some news of the week and, of course, questions from our listeners. All that and more. See you on the inside. Hey, European DJ. How are you? Uh, I'm really great. Thanks for asking, uh, uh, Derek. And, you know, it's midsummer, spending a lot of time with my kids. My vacation is unfortunately ending. So this week, again, I went to a really nice water park here. But I must say, life is good. You know, if you just turn the TV off and don't listen to the inflation numbers and what's happening in America and everything, then I can tell you, life is really good. How about yourself? Well, I can tell you, we, we missed last week's show because I was completely off the grid. We we went on vacation, which which you know, and we extended it. The weather here is fantastic, 28, 29 degrees. Unfortunately, all good things come to an end, and I think Sunday is the last good day of weather, and then it's back into rain. So we are, the kids, they're not inside, no one's inside. We are completely outdoors for the next next few days. So it's um, like you said, life, life is good, and it's it's good it's good to have sunny weather at last. It, it took us it took us till August, but we got there. Nice, nice. So hey, this maybe then also an official apology to our listeners that they didn't see anything upcoming last week. And but guys, sometimes like life is too good and just get ahead of us. But we're back, and we hope we can make it a nice episode for you guys today with some. I think some golden nuggets if I already saw some of your show notes, uh, Derek. But before we get started on the main topic, uh, did something catch your attention this week in the news? The, the only th only thing that popped up was Disney. I see their share price this week. Uh, when I finally got back to the land of the living, I, I noticed their share price popped up a couple of percent. And it looks like they are, they are back. Um, we know COVID-19 had a huge impact amusement parks and and so on were closed but not not just that disney plus their subscriber rates was pretty impressive this quarter as well we had a huge huge increase i think disney plus was up 31 percent in subscriber rates based on on this time last year which is which is absolutely huge i i don't know what netflix was but i know netflix was stagnating a little bit yeah. so i was probably expecting something similar with disney but it's I have to say, I was not expecting this. I was probably one of the people saying, how many people out there will subscribe to, to Disney Plus? You don't need it. But I mean, here they are proving me wrong. Their, their numbers are, are incredible. And it had a really, really strong quarter by, by the looks of it. Well, I was one of their subscribers because it became available in, uh, in Poland, uh, I think, one month or two months ago. So, you know, they're still in the expansion mode, right? They're still accessing countries at the moment where they aren't yet. And Netflix is already for years here. So I think it's also quite easy for them to grow at the moment. But it just shows you how strong the brand appeal is. And I'm, I must tell you, my kids already love it, having Disney. They're tired of Netflix. It, it, at a certain moment, becomes a bit monotonous, right? So yeah. they start already uh, shifting towards YouTube. I, as a parent, I hate it because... They get sucked up in the YouTube algorithm. 
but as a parent here I feel really comfortable them watching Disney because I also know that Disney curates a lot of uh, stuff and also to be honest I don't get all this woke shit uh, in front of uh, in front of my kids all day I mean I have no issues with it if it's dosed but it's becoming too much of an uh, a statement uh, at Netflix I think so we're actually also um, uh, planning now to cancel Netflix because I I, I finished Stranger Things season four um, and we have also HBO Max, uh, which we're sharing with someone. So I think it's it's getting too much and I don't want all the costs. Uh, I'm yeah. still frugal. So we're going to cancel Netflix and continue with Disney going forward. Yeah, we, we still have Netflix. That my wife watches it more than me. She loves all these documentaries and, and so on. Uh, my kids are in that in-between age. As an adult, you appreciate Disney and, and all the animation, but when you start becoming a, a teenager, you you, uh, you get to a point where you're too grown up for, for animation films. So that's where they are transitioning. They, they will not watch it. So there's no no sense yeah. in me no sense in me having it. But I can I can certainly see for younger kids and and and, and young families the benefit of having Disney, especially over YouTube. Yeah. Man, I I hate I hate my kids watching YouTube, but yeah me too but look um, how i always look at it right the, i call this a share of wallets i think many consumers uh, look at it like okay guys i paid first for my uh, cable i bought like four i paid like 40 bucks or something like that right so i went i i cut the card i went to a streamer but if you now end up with 40 bucks again yeah you don't want to, to be 60 or something like that and at the same time because we didn't really touch on that disney is also hiking the prices really a lot right yeah. i mean it's still cheap compared to the competition but they are going from i don't know seven dollars to ten dollars or something like that yeah. for their basic package so at a certain moment the share of wallet my wallet is then empty again right it's it's just a certain amount that i want to want to want to spend and they start becoming selective if you because then you i mean, I mean it's kind of full circle right you start with a cable with Canal Plus in Europe and all these kinds of things that you have all the movies. Uh, it went to streaming. You shift to Netflix. You you're, you're cut your cable uh, at a certain moment. And then five years later, you find yourself back at the same cost level again with the same kind of movies, but now just at a more user-friendlier way of accessing them, let's say, because it all goes via streaming and at the moment you want it. So... Uh, I'm sometimes wondering what has this whole technological revolution done from the market? It has shake, shaken up a lot. It puts some companies really heavy in debt, like uh, AT&T, by uh, not knowing how to deal with this technological revolution. Yeah. But I think five years down the line from now, we're back to it. I mean, th they're starting talking already about creating, um, uh, how is it, uh, subscriptions with ads in it. With advertisements in it so we're back to normal tv uh, soon yeah. right the only thing that the only difference really from the whole technological revolution is that we can decide what to watch at our own time but for the rest we get all the all the ads again and and and, and we still have access to similar content but look, look at it on the other side as investors like particularly say netflix and disney we want them to grow continually to grow and for a streaming company how do you do that you either increase subscribers or you raise your prices. There's only so many people in the world with access to the internet or that, that can afford to to have such things. You know, first world countries, maybe second world countries. So they have to increase their prices. It's just continuous pressure. There's pressure from, from all different angles. And I, I, I understand understand the company's perspective. I understand from the consumer's perspective. There, there's no happy medium. You're not going to make both sets happen. Yeah.
Yeah, and that's why I think that a company like uh, Netflix has a narrow mode, in my opinion. I understand the brand appeal. Yeah, yeah, I understand it, but it's not an Apple. I mean, the switching costs are so low that that you i mean like now literally in the click of a button you can you can you can just cancel right and yeah um low switching cost and the the only thing with disney is disney has all this this uh cross um selling right so they have also the parks and they can they can mix everything in right around just a new a new cartoon or what is it such a new animation disney yeah disney has a brand that's what it's they a have. flywheel. Yeah, they, they have a brand. Netflix don't really have a brand. They have nothing to sell, only what you watch. Whereas Disney have a whole experience that that they can sell, it's particularly to, to younger kids. Everybody wants yeah. to go to Disneyland when they're six years of age, and, yeah. and meet their heroes, and and they can sell that. Whereas Netflix don't have that. So that's that's the key difference I think between them. But I, I agree with you. These are uh, companies like Netflix are, are narrow mode and. It's probably one of the reasons why I've stayed well, very clear of them. Yeah, and what what is your you know just the whole pity of this technological revolution that Disney had to also take a dividend cut, yeah, because the, it wasn't only COVID why they did the dividend cut, right? It was also at the same time they announced then to 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 invest heavily in streaming to win the streaming wars, right? So you know we're talking now about Disney a lot here uh, in in this show and. Yeah, I hope they will return to dividends one time again because it is a company. If after the streaming war, if they if if this whole market settles down a little bit, I could see myself one day stepping into Disney again. It's just a company I think that uh, yeah has too much appeal also from an investing point of view. Yeah, I, I I think they will. I think they will pay a dividend again. When I don't know. Obviously, COVID helped them yeah. make a decision. Yeah. Um, but I I think they will. I think they will. Yeah. Good talking about uh, investing mistakes. That was a that was a nice dividend cut. I remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Or I think I I think I bought them about a month or two months before they cut it. I mean, it was amazing. Nice. <laughs> it's like they were waiting for me to buy and then said, "No, Derek, we're cutting that now. Get lost." No. But yeah, let let's let's talk about some some of these investing mistakes. I, I mean, I have I have five headings. Most of them are personal. Are probably close to me that that has happened and and so i'll just maybe start with with the first one um for me that's not having a financial plan or or any plan at all i mean i'm, I'm one of these guys that probably needs something needs a target needs a plan needs something to go with but i remember way back when i was starting i i opened up bullion vault i was investing in a small bit of gold i was trying to I was trying to do some FX trading. I was, I was trying to do so many different things without really knowing what I was doing, why I was doing it, or what I was even aiming for. I mean, what what was what was the point? Was I just trying to make as much money as possible, or or what was I doing? So I, I think the key key thing for me is is making some sort of financial plan. I mean, this investing is not going to make you rich overnight, and I think it's important to know that. And you won't know that unless you write out a plan of what you expect and what's realistic. And and then, yeah. and then go from there. Um, I've given myself ten years. Um, I'm probably in year three or four now of of that plan. So it's 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 going there. But at least I have a, a footprint now, and I have something to look back on when markets drop or if a dividend is caught. I can look back and say, okay, this is the plan. I'm sticking to it and, and keep going. Otherwise, you just keep jump, jumping from strategy to strategy to strategy, making 
making a little bit of money, losing it, make a little bit of money, losing it, and you're just kind of in a flywheel going around in circles. So how did you build the uh, trust in your own plan? Over time, it initially, as, as you know, I, I was following someone else with, with dividend investing, but I did know I wanted cash flow. I mean, from, from personal experience, there was, it was a time where I was completely broke. I had no cash flow, uh, nothing coming in. Around the time my oldest son was before he was born. And I've always said to myself, I, I never want to be in that situation again. Um, so I knew I just wanted extra security, extra cash flow coming in more than just my job because you can lose your job quite quickly. Um, and when you lose your job, a whole other snowball effect happens. So I wanted something to come in. So that's probably why index invest investing came up first. That proved difficult because of tax reasons. And then I stumbled into dividend growth. Uh, following the dividend growth investor helped until I learned to build my own plan and become a little bit more confident in, in what I'm doing. Yeah, nice one, nice one. And I think that was for me also actually in the beginning a little bit similar because, you know, uh, it's quite a commitment, right, to dividend growth investing. You're easily talking about indeed a decade, I mean, a decade of your life, right? So getting this conviction um, really had to grow on me. I mean, I, I really, I've, we spoke more about it here on the podcast, right? At a certain moment, it just dropped on me that, okay, I want to take matters in my own hands, right? And my motivation was also really looking at the pension system and everything in the Netherlands, retirement system, and thinking this whole stuff is broke, broken. And um, But then to get convi convinced, uh, it took me, I think, still like a year to be fully, fully convinced that, yeah, dividend growth investing is it. And it really helped me to see the cash flow coming in. That's just mesmerizing about the fact like, oh, wait, I'm now having... 40 euros in this and actually this pays now for my telephone bill for the rest of my life yeah yeah and and then it really started to occur on me like okay i can start i can start replacing every bill step by step by step that i have uh going forward and this is how i'll become uh i said uh, financially free but it's a long-term commitment and i think this is also for for new new investors that are maybe listening now as well like you need to be commitment to this because yeah. we saw that last year was probably for me one of the toughest times uh, sometimes and I was able to suppress it right but this FOMO of all these kids that are were like 21 22 putting their pocket money in the stock market and and then suddenly uh, making thousands of profits you feel like I'm losing out right is my strategy the right strategy um, so and you need to have conviction for your own plan luckily i had it so i really kept my head clear but i think it's really important one the, uh, to have a solid financial plan yeah and, and you you touched on it there like there was a lot of FOMO, a lot of different accounts making lots of money or, uh, and so on but I, I think what was important for me was that i did my own risk assessment and i was honest with my risk assessment i remember going back and, and you read always don't don't invest what you can afford. Don't trade what you can can afford. And I remember when I started FX training, going, putting in a couple of thousand and saying, oh, if I lost all this, I'd be fine. And then it dropped 50%. And, and I'll never forget that feeling I had. It was nearly a, a gut-wrenching feeling, you know. And I, I knew that the risk I thought I was able to have is is not actually the risk I was, I was able to stomach. Um, so I, I think having that honest conversation with me, it, it always reminds me of a Mike Tyson quote um everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face and for me that at that time 
I thought I was able to handle a lot more risk than what I actually am. I'm, I'm very, very risk adverse in, in everything, not just investing in, in most things in life. I'm, I'm very risk adverse. And I had to be honest with myself, particularly in investing, saying, okay, I don't really want to invest in high, high growth stocks because if it drops 50%, I know I will panic. I know I will sell. I know, I know all these things. So finding a strategy where price is not as important, where you can nearly ignore the price was was yeah. really key for me and i think that's that's probably what gave me the most conviction in this yeah very interesting and 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 you know this leads me also to one of my investment mistakes and i must confess i still do this a little bit and that's holding too much cash for too long um i specifically you know as a value investor and and this is where i struggle sometimes as a value investor everything looks always expensive yeah, it's a mindset which is not always helpful and i can fully understand um why buffett said that he had to appreciate charlie munger saying like it's not only about the margin of safety which you learn from benjamin graham but you should also buy good companies at a fair price yeah so what what value what for me at least my value investment part of my mindset says like ah you know you need to buy undervalued companies and that's why sometimes i am at risk of underspending yeah and i've been doing that in my early years of dividend investing because i always felt like oh the stock market is so expensive in 2016 2017 well we're now in 2022 and look where it is yeah um, and i missed out on some really great opportunities by being too greedy at the time um i'm now really forcing myself to spent every month but i also got a bonus this year and my bonus has still not been spent totally right so my let's say my savings account is having too much cash still on it so i really need to push myself to spend it and just to spend it so i, I you gave me some good advice earlier saying like just put in an index fund until you get those opportunities pull it out and then put in the stocks that you want to have it so i will look at that a little bit um here so in general i'm spending every month everything because i pay myself first but then you get this other money inflow from time to time also my wife right uh, get some money in and, and 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 bonus and such and that's where i'm still let's say on a learning path to spend it as much as possible quick quickly and i think i need to start following more the lump sum approach rather than to uh, uh how is it average it out over the year yeah because one of mine is similar i have i have something around poor value as well and i think the key thing that buffett is talking about paying a fair price for a company he didn't talk about undervalued or anything it's just paying a fair price and i think that's something that i forget sometimes you target you try to target really undervalued companies then that leads you to have a portfolio heavy and say walgreens which i had for for a period yeah. of time because because they're they're undervalued we know they're on undervalued for for quite a reason maybe they're not undervalued maybe they're fairly valued at the time but it's value is such such a hard one and I, i've struggled and i've changed my mind with this over i've tried cash flows i've tried calculating it and, and in the end i realize i'm making a lot of assumptions that lots and lots of professionals probably do probably do a better job than me but it's really hard to predict the value of a company really really hard i think it's just better to focus on growing companies i mean we we had a we had an episode where we i spoke about the top five things we look for basically want cash flow growing revenue growing dividends growing and, and and low debt i think that is a starting point and then find the price you're happy to pay for that company i don't think you'll go too too far wrong 
once yeah. once all those are growing the share price should go with it anyway irrespective of of when you buy it yeah so i have actually a similar learning here and that was also um how i said a tendency to focus on broken companies yeah, so it's it's kind of the same, right? Uh, because you mentioned Walgreens, but Intel is the same. And if you look at the bargains in the market, they total they usually are for a reason a bargain. Yeah. So if you are really following the value investing mindset a lot, you you tend to fish in this pool of broken companies a lot, and you're effectively also betting a lot then on 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 the management at the time. Think about 3M right now, for instance, right? With the litigations, uh, we have buyer with litigations. Um, we have, um, I said, we have then Intel, I just mentioned, Walgreens. So you tend to get then a lot of broken companies. And and also because the alternative all feels so expensive. Yeah. So I'm a true believer, right, in discounted cash flow because I really feel like the uh, thing that the you don't want to overpay for your future cash flows in the end uh, prices will come to the mean and then my portfolio is now since 2014 and it has also proven it that there were for all the stocks that i had in my portfolio some have really done well there were times you could buy them because there were some headwinds i mean think about ahold right 28 euros now or something like that it was trading at 15 or 16 euros because amazon entered the market uh i think they bought whole foods and they thought like okay it's the it's the nail in the coffin of the grocery chains right and, and my learning is that it happens usually once a year that there is something like external to the company which is driven by market overreaction that pulls them down yeah and i haven't seen it this year yet for one of the stocks maybe a little bit castellum that was irrationally priced um but i need more companies in a year right and but I, I'm not a person that feels like paying a one point, uh, no, uh, buying a 1.5% yielding company uh, with a 35 PE because cash flow is growing, dividend is growing. Because I'm not going to wait 20 years before the the yield starts to be, um, I said decent, right? So, um, yeah, I, I'm hoping more on high interest rates and that therefore the valuations of companies stay down and even get further down. I still think it has to be priced into the market. But yeah, a, a mistake I, I do have with this is that I end up at, uh, looking a lot uh, in, in, in the area of companies that have a story to it, which is not too pretty at times. Yeah, and sometimes that's that's hard. Like Intel is, is a prime example right now. Um, I think we were, I, I, I was bullish on them long before you were. Um, I'm not so much any anymore. I'm starting to cool, cool down on them, but... I mean, it is a turnaround play, and that's that's what we're betting on right here. Luckily, yeah, the it's all a dividend stock for me. It's a turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, luckily they generate enough cash flow that their their dividend for me is sustainable at, at least yeah. for the next couple of years. But I mean, it's it's not of the same level as as an Apple, for example, which which yeah. for me is is pretty safe for the next ten years. Or, or, yeah, it's a shame companies like Google or or Amazon don't pay bigger dividends or dividends yeah. at all. Yeah, true. So, but, but, you know, there's another learning that I have when it comes to, and it's maybe not directly related to my portfolio, but you know what I did? In December 2017, I was just working for a few years. I bought my first apartment. And I thought, I know I will live in here maximum five years. So I'll buy it. Uh, prices will grow. And then I will cash out. And I will have earned more than I can save. Yeah. 
literally like half a year later shit it's the fan housing crisis um my house dropped 30 percent in value and it had to recover till uh 2016 on the price so i mean one lesson learned is there if you need the money after five years or within five years just don't invest it in something that can lose value and don't assume that uh the i said that the asset you're investing in will be safe and i i truly thought that that housing would be safe and i i can imagine there are other investments that we consider savers today but if you need the money in five years put it in something like that is guaranteed put it in a deposit in in, in your bank or something like that that you can access again after five years I would not invest I would wouldn't invest with that money. I really burnt my fingers on that one. Yeah, and, and it's it's funny you mentioned that because one of the big ones that a common mistake, particularly in Ireland, um you may have heard about the Celtic Tiger house prices were booming, but that's the inappropriate use of debt. And I think people buying houses, especially to buy them to to rent out, they don't understand that they're leveraging money. They're they're borrowing money to try and, and make money and they don't understand how much debt they're actually taking on it led to a lot of people losing a lot of money um, families going broke losing even their main houses as, as a result and um, the reason i bring that up now is because i can see in ireland right now that house prices are, are back nearly above the celtic tiger levels they're nearly five six times what people are earning it's unsustainable rents are at all times high it's it's really unsustainable now at the moment over here you, you can see a crash coming when nobody as you said nobody knows it could it could take four or five years to play out but you can certainly see that it's not going to continue as it is forever because people just can't can't afford it so i think uh, housing seem everybody says house prices always go up and that may be true but they do crash and i know myself with my own house I, I i live here 12 years i bought it just before the crash it crashed and only this year so that's 12 years later has it reached in value market value the price that that i paid for it so yes house prices always go up but it went down quite a bit while, while it still went up so uh, i think that it's it's important to understand what you're doing with your money like if you're leveraging yeah. that money to buy a house you have to you have to understand you have to understand that and, and you're right if you need cash for five years do not invest it in in housing or stock markets even put it into a government bond something that you're guaranteed your, your money back yeah and then uh i said i mean even government bonds right they are price sensitive i mean you can lose a lot of um really a uh, lot of money on that we but, have uh, we have some over here where you're guaranteed your principal back so ah, okay you mean from principal point of view yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah okay good yeah so well it's i think it's just important to mention that because i also know a certain um group of our listeners entered the workforce after let's say 2010 so they've never really seen something like we've seen in the great financial recession right um and and since then mostly it has been only up with few dips i would say i would even consider the COVID 19 crash a dip uh, yeah okay well it was maybe a crash but it was it went so quick it it wasn't a recession right it wasn't something there was so much money printing after it and maybe we're now we're heading into a recession i have no clue but something that I've seen in 2008, 2009, that was really, 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 really deep. And and yeah, and that, that's what makes you humble, let's say, uh, towards such things. Yeah. 
Yeah, for me, I guess the last thing is more the psychology of money, um, where I make sometimes mistakes. And I, I'm a really an analytical guy and a rational guy uh, from that point of view. And I think people that follow me on my blog and, and YouTube that see it also, right, in how I think and how I act. But I've got this unwanted roommate, as how I call it. <laughs> like, like, like sometimes people say angel on the left shoulder and devil on the right shoulder. I call the unwanted roommate that that is whispering in my mind, saying like, "No, but the CEO said this, so it must be like that." And sometimes I still fall into this trap that I'm ignoring my rational mind, which, for instance, is saying like, "Ah, but EDGI, the the CEO's uh, incentive is not the same as yours." Yeah, pump and dump or something like that. They might yeah. be under pressure, and then they give a brilliant uh, interview. And I think, like, oh, no, 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 uh, the numbers, it will all be fine. But, you know, I, I and I had, it took me years to come to the conclusion that probably CEOs are at the top, not because they are so great in these blue chip companies, but just because they were the best move talkers in the corp uh, to cl while climbing the corporate ladder. Yeah. yeah and if, if I work in a corporate, uh, I, I've worked always in corporate. So, you need to be kind of a specific person, but those are not entrepreneurs. Those are not founders, right? They are really good usually in giving presentations and all these kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, I've been I've been falling into this trap of General Electric, Tupperware, and maybe now even with Intel. Who knows? Um, uh, but this unwanted roommate, I've been ignoring this person for too long. Uh, oh, I've, I've been I feel now listening to this person for too long. That's how I should say it. Yeah, I suppose when it comes to CEO, they would be probably smooth talkers. I, I agree with you there, but I think it's the team around them that that's probably a little bit more important to focus on because at the end of the day, they are probably the ones doing the work. The CEO has all the ideas and, and he's putting pressure, but he's yeah. probably not, or she not getting their hands dirty, probably not yeah. getting into the meat and bones. So it's probably, probably wise to look at the team around him. Yeah. Yeah. And what also my learning is stick to the numbers. The numbers don't lie. Yeah. Unless you read IBM's numbers and they lie all, all the time. Yeah. But, but still, gap numbers tell you something, tell you the truth. Yeah. And so they can't commit fraud. Yeah. And that's a good thing for us that gap is still there to protect us. So all these adjustments, sometimes adjustments make sense, really. And I don't, I, I'm, I don't mind them then. But uh, at least I, uh, I, I get a better grab on it let's say yeah. um th and the last mistake i suppose for me is just being honest about whether you're an investor or a speculator um and i've said it before i've tried all sorts of, of different trading but I, I always have that i always have that itch and i remember we did a an offline session uh, with, with one of the members of the community and we're talking about our goals for the year and i, I mentioned that like i still i still like the excitement of, of trading even though i don't like the risk associated with it so you have to be honest are you a speculator or are you an investor an investor boys doesn't need to sell when it reaches a certain point and hold i think options has been pretty good for me in, in that regard it, it kind of scratches that itch it's it's enough for me to be able to recharge and and save price going up and now i'm at a point where i'm only picking companies I want to hold. I'm I'm done with the likes of Solo and Wish, who are still in my still in my account. But I learned that lesson. So, but I'm I'm only picking companies like I, I opened up one recently on 3M at 140. Like I, I'd be happy to own, own 3M. So, 
that's what I am. But options gives me that kind of trading, but not really a little bit risk adverse than, than normal trading as well. It's again psychology, right? And knowing yourself, it's almost like, and actually, it's what I also like about investing. It's together with growing up kids, right? And yeah. raising them, you see always a mirror in front of you. Yeah. Investing is kind of similar. You really get to know your weaknesses as well and, and, and needing to deal with them, whether you like it or not, because otherwise it, lose, it loses you money, right? Yeah, you, you you have to face them. And Joe, I actually miss, I haven't wrote on my blog, I think, since March. I miss writing because that kind of keeps me grounded, keeps me composed. Um, and now that I'm going to be working a little bit less, I think I might get back to it because it's something that, I, I think I wrote the blog not for people to read, but for me to learn and grow. And I, I need to get mm. back, need to get back to that a little bit. Yeah, that, uh, I, I would say so. I'm really missing your articles. I know you keep you keep <laughs> you keep pushing me all the time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I uh, thank you so much, EMF, also for sharing your mistakes, right? Because I know for some people it's hard to talk about mistakes and such about taboos. I think you know after 109 episodes for us, it's not such a problem anymore. But it's really it was it was really good for me to to go through this thought pattern again um, here as well because. No, I, I got already again some thoughts that uh, I will I will have a thought about over the weekend whether I should do something with it. And for instance, with my cash for my bonus, I think I will just throw it for the first time ever all in an index fund. I just need to now figure out and make the choice which one or I take two or three, yeah. and and just use it as a store at least of of of, of for the money um, because it is designated for investing anyway. So. Yeah remember bitcoin is not a store of value no matter what you read no 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 i'm talking about a dividend growth <laughs> etf here i know, I know. <laughs> good 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 um so we move on to some of our listeners questions we have a few to get through so we might start with uh, i'm going to let you pronounce that name <laughs> so uh panagiotis pavlidis is asking about whether i opened already a position in tula uh, no, actually not, but I have a buy order outstanding. I would need to check my Dehiro account what it is. I, I actually looked at it yesterday again because the old one expired, but it didn't hit my target price yet. Um, so I believe it was 15 or 20% trading above it. And I'm a bit greedy on that one, although I like, of course, the company. Um, I just want to pay a, a fair value. I'm not even talking about the margin of safety. I just want to pay fair value for this company. It hasn't hit it yet for me. Cool. Um, Tim Ann has asked us if you had room for only two real estate investment trusts in your portfolio, what two would you choose? Yeah, so he's, he's asking here, right? Realty Income, Store Capital, WP Carry, Simon Property Group, or Digital Realty Trust. So if I had to choose only from those ones, right, it would be Realty Income for sure. And the second one, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to Digital Realty Trust. I have an issue with digital realty trust that is not really growing funds from operations over the last four or five years. I mean, let's say uh, I'm, I'm probably a bit uh, overreacting here, but it's not convincing me enough, but it's heavily priced and it's in, in the most booming in industry like data centers, right? So I, I love this business model, but I want to see better financial performance from this company. 
uh, but I would still choose it because of the uh, secular growth winds uh, um, in the in, in this industry. But how about you, Derek? Which one would you choose? For me, probably realty income because because I own them. Mm -hmm. and maybe WPC WP Carey would be another one. I know it, uh, are they a dividend aristocrats are close to it. Twenty four, maybe twenty five mm -hmm. years of of dividends. Um, uh, to be honest, they're all not a bad option. To be honest, DLR is the one. I, it's probably the least, the least I know. But yeah, they're all not too bad. But I, I would probably go with W WPC. Okay, super decent, decent, decent yield, long, long history. Um, from the last time I checked, the funds from operations was growing. But last time I checked, that was maybe two years ago. So I, I don't know what's yeah. been happening. I, I'm not current. I'm not current on them. Yeah, and when I see Simon Property Group, I mean, good old dividend Dane who passed away last year, right? And what was it? Uh, September, November. Every time when I see this ticker, I need to think about him because he, he bought a shitload of this um, during COVID-19 crash, I remember. He was really pitching to us and he did really make a lot of money with that one. And I'm just wondering, like, does, does his family even know that he has these shares, right? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, the, maybe it's still somewhere on this account compounding. Anyway, that's my story of Simon Property Group, uh, guys. So, and Dividend Dame was also one time on the podcast show here. Yeah. Having said that, we also got some fan mail. Casper, Patrick, thanks. Yes, we're back. Um, and uh, enjoy Sunday this podcast when you're listening on your run. Um, really, thank you for 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 saying some nice words. But then the next question is from Victor Derek. It's about 3M and their spinoff. Um, what are you? thinking about it uh, they want to spin off what is it i think their healthcare business yeah and uh, is that that's around the litigation as well isn't it it's it's they're just getting they're doing a johnson yeah. johnson essentially as um, well but also uh, i i believe a healthcare company that they want to spin off yeah i mean it probably makes sense um particularly with what's going on they're going back to to what what's true and tested i know russ who's on the show has done a video on it i to be honest with you, I haven't seen, I haven't, I've, I've heard it, but I haven't read about it a whole lot um, as I was away. But my initial reaction is, it seems to be a, pre a pretty good idea. Um, we all know what what's going on with the, what's going on with the company at the moment. But going back, going back to the core, we've seen this. We we spoke about this before. A lot of companies are are going back to the core and are they're spinning off segments that are kind of antagonistic to to what their true values are so it's it's an interesting one indeed for I, me i i think uh, the fall of general electric was probably the the first real big one to show us to tell us that real industrials like these companies that that own like I don't know half of the world, like like media business, uh, but also oil and gas, all combined. That it doesn't work. That the companies, the the units are probably better off on their own. And it's a trend that we have been seeing, right? Many companies spinning off businesses. Uh, even Philips became a healthcare company. Um, what was it? Uh, we have then uh, General Electric, of course, uh, spinning off the healthcare business. I mean, many industrials have done it, and now 3M. So it's a trend uh, that we are seeing. Um, it just reminds me all the time that Siemens is such an awesome business. They are doing this just organically almost. They spin up the Siemens Energy. Not a lot of noise around it. No litigations. This company is just such high quality. Um, reminds me again, I need to put back my buy order for Siemens at $100. Uh, 
Yeah, it's it. I mean, it's 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 interesting. You're right. Siemens do this the whole time. They're a huge conglomerate. They're, they they take over pretty much half the globe, and they just spin it off with with no noise. Um, but for me, I, I look. I I think it's the right thing to do. All these companies come in, they diversify into so many different areas. They have teams specialized. Maybe they're good in industrials. They're not so good in healthcare. So you're better off spinning off the company. Get experts in there that know healthcare and know that market and watch yeah. that grow. But I think this equates to is it about a, third, a quarter a quarter of of revenue yeah. as well. So yeah. you're going you're going to see a huge a drop, big one. Yeah. a huge drop in revenue from these guys. So I so to answer the question, Victor, I think it's good. That's a good thing to do. Also, the litigation, the Johnson Johnson approach to it. I think it's all good stuff. I we still need to have this. What is it? This uh, other uh, litigation, uh, which is also affecting the Belgium and the Netherlands. There, this one is still having a huge overhang there. So 3M is not literally out of the waters yet uh, with this one, but they're I think taking the right actions and management is showing competence. Of course, uh, you know if you're a veteran and you have now a hearing uh, issue, I mean this is not good. Of course, I'm looking here purely from a investor point of view yeah when i when i buy i'm going to learn a lesson and just spin off spin off one oh, Farka, stop about buyer oh my <laughs> god next one um chago is asking us about do you have any real estate investments like not real estate investment trust but real real estate like do you own something you know i i would love to i would love to own one or two properties even uh, maybe even more three or four properties i spoke i spoke earlier house prices are so high over here but the reason i'd like to do it more than anything is because i know my wife would be more involved in this this is something that is tangible that she could understand we own a house we can rent it out and it's she would like that as well so for that reason i would love it but not a not a current prices um i'm not willing to put myself back in work for an extra 20 years just to get a an extra house to rent out yeah that's it's i have the same i mean i guess it's here yielding four percent or something like that rent average rent compared to average um, uh, purchasing price it's not worth it with all the risk that you get but if I could get something, a property for fifteen percent yield, yeah, and then uh, of course you need to deduct the costs. I would, and it's on, it's let's say on uh, ten minutes driving distance. I would really consider it just from a diversification point of view, also to learn a little bit about how it is. Um, but yeah, I think those such a market we won't see anytime soon here. Um, then Wolf of Hardcourt Street is asking about your thoughts about ticker symbol CWH. No clue what it is uh, from my side. And EPR are the yields sustainable? So the first one CWH is Camping World Holdings, and they're yielding about about seven percent. And typically they are specialized in recreational vehicles, vehicle parts, um, and they also sell supplies for say camping and and so on. Uh, for for me, when when I hear the word recreational, I see something that if oh, with all this talk of recession, this is the first thing that's going to be impacted in in, in my mind. Now, I don't know exactly what parts to do or, or how important they are, but camping, I don't know how sustainable a seven percent yield is. I quickly looked at at their their financial statements. I think they're around since two thousand and thirteen. So they're not kind of tried and tested throughout the recession. We don't know how they're going to react through a recession. Um, 
the revenue to be fair is is growing it did dip quite substantially between 2017 2018 2019 but it's 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 rising again um earnings follow that what worries me is that free cash flow per share it's negative for the last two years for me that that tells me the dividend is is not sustainable yeah. honestly after that i i just <laughs> stopped looking and kind of said okay dividend for me would not be sustainable um the second company epr is a properties REIT, a real estate investment trust they're involved in kind of like amusement parks movie theaters ski resorts and, and stuff and they own over 300 350 properties seems a little bit more sustainable they've been around a long time even through the last recession we can see that they did dip in the last recession but they recovered quite quickly and um, so i'd be a, a lot more confident with these guys and um, free cash flow is growing obviously 2020 had a huge impact on a company of this amusement park closed all resorts closed so you can see 2020 was was quite a big hit but as things start opening 2021 they're back as far as where they were in 2016 and it seems like they're, they're growing so um, in terms of the question i don't know the companies too well underneath but i would say epr properties is more sustainable than, than camping world from a dividend point of view yeah yeah the only thing i can say because i don't know the camping industry but i would expect it to be like anti-cyclical because if i look at my own spending pattern if if i have less to spend i would more opt for a camping than for a, uh how you sit an all-inclusive uh trip with, in a hotel or something like that but uh, I don't. I really don't know how this industry is and what it does to stocks. Yeah, and 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 from the way I I, I read it here, it's they also sell supplies and camping, which which to me means that's a smaller part of their business. I don't know how big the camping part is. I think they're more in recreational vehicles and vehicle parts. I think that's okay. the the main business. Okay, yeah. then Ellen is asking us when if we no, the, uh, it's a hypothetical question. If we would need to pick one and remove one stock from our portfolio which one would it be and why oh, for me that's easy i'd pick orange i mean i, I have them as a short-term play anyway um yeah. i don't think it's long term it's it's going to be in my portfolio forever i think this rollout of 5g and and they're doing some some good stuff but we all know that's it's capital intensive it's I mean, yeah. at the moment europe is, is quite hard particularly in france and spain um they seem to be struggling there quite a bit everywhere else in europe seems to be seems to be doing okay but um i'm giving them four or five years and then i'm cutting loose yeah yeah so my my, my pick would be in this case alibaba i still have it in my uh, portfolio right because i'm in it for the three years uh, period that i gave myself but I, I could sell it today as well if it's needed so that would be an easy one for me it's not a dividend stock so it wouldn't hurt my cash flow either so probably i'm cheating here on ellen's question <laughs> um then uh, Mart is asking uh he would like to hear our thoughts about rush and uh, uh how is it specifically that we don't really speak at length about the stock in our podcast he likes the long track record and the pipeline price has come down to reasonable levels recently as well what do we think uh, so th there's a reason why i don't speak about him too much i do really like the company i've, I've said that before but I also do some writing for sure dividend on, on the side and i have a list of 13 companies uh Beatrice is one and 
uh, Roche is is another one. I, I don't like to. I mean, we we've never said that I can't speak about him or write about him or anything like that. But I I do respect the work that these guys do, and they do pay me to do it. So I, I try to keep them separate somewhat. So I I don't give my full opinion here the whole time. Other than I really like the company. I think they do really good things. Um, in terms of price, they are coming down. They're still a little bit expensive for me. I'd like them to come down a, a little bit more. Um. But I don't think you could go too wrong with the company. But my only issue is, as I don't own shares, and the only reason I don't own shares is that they are based in Switzerland, and the taxes is too high for me. I'll be paying 30 30 percent. But as as a company, fundamentally, I think they're they're fantastic. Uh, their values really resonate with me. Just read their read their annual report. I'd suggest just reading it, and you you get a real sense of of what the company is is like. Super. Thank you. Um... The next question is from Jakob, and he is um, asking, are you seeing at the moment what we are experiencing now as a beer market rally or truly the end of the beer market? I mean, it's 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 hard to hard to know. Um, I do follow some some really clever guys who, who do all these sorts, sorts of stuff. And long, long term, so your weeklies and monthlies, we are still technically trading in a bear market. Um, and in the short term, we have a short rally. So it's it's hard to know until until we start to see this over a, a period of time. It's only it's only speculating. And and I said that before. Am I a speculator or, or an investor? Um, so I I'm not paying too much attention to whether we are still in the bear market or still or is, is it a rally? Other than seeing where my resistance and my <laughs> points are yeah. for my put options. So I cannot talk about stock market er either. The stock market is sometimes also really early with things, right? So, um, uh, but if you ask me like about a recession, there's something nice in Poland now. You can take an, uh, a break from your paying your mortgage. So I'm going to apply for that. So I get some additional uh, cash flow. And the banks of, are of course not liking it, but the government has just said here, okay, you can take a certain months uh, uh, that you don't pay your mortgage. And uh, I'm going to apply for that. But it's all to how you see it, because the the market rate shot up here from two and a half percent to eight percent. So it's all to I said to take some pressure off of of citizens of consumers, right? So if we have these kinds of really really tough, I would say regulations coming in, right, to help the consumer, it's just telling me that it's really really bad at the moment. Yeah. So and and also with the inflation so i think there's still a lot to come towards us usually what you see with the fed interest rates they always say that it takes 18 months to to come totally into its effect of what it really means and we have seen yeah. this also with the with the money printing right uh, after covid 19 and the stimulus that they have done in america it took also like 10 to 18 months so i think we have from an economic point of view I expect still a lot to come that is it's not going to look nice uh, yeah. uh to us but i mean you're talking about european and then you're talking about us i mean i'm guessing we're talking about the us stock market here which is completely different to europe i don't know if we're seeing the same same rally over here i think everyone is expecting a hard winter there's going to be an energy crisis we have we can't sell crops from ukraine there's a, a lot going on at the moment over in Europe that we're not really seeing seeing that in terms of America that's slightly different maybe they technically and I think by a technical term they were in a recession was it two quarters or 
in a row with negative growth or something yeah. in, in technical terms they were they were in a recession um but i don't know if they're feeling feeling as much pain as we are over here in europe but but Derek, how many companies in america are pure play american companies no no they, they are multinational companies yeah. but i think they'll be able to weather it a little bit better than european companies when, oh that, that's for sure that's yeah. for sure yeah um dividend yogi i love that name um what would your top pick in a consumer stock be right now he's quite well diversified which is good um he owns 43 different companies but he it seems like all the big consumer titles have high valuation any idea and ps he owns a hold well my idea would be a hold <laughs> i think it's really uh after the earnings report i think it's really 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 doing well um you know, if you look at a little bit still at the value play, you could consider Unilever. They had a relatively good quarterly report for the first time in a long time. Um, but there's a reason why it is cheaper than the other companies, of course, because it has not been performing well over the last two, three years. So, um, yeah, but if anything, I would probably suggest Unilever then, because if I look at the American consumer staples, I find them all way too expensive. I I, th I think they're all expensive. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with any of them. If you wanted to have one just to diversify, you have Mandela's, you have Unilever. Um, but I agree, they all do look look quite high, and it's 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 quite hard to to get in at, at them at the moment. Okay, so James has asked us any advice on what to do with the Halion and GSK stock after their demerger. Um, plus, do you see any value in either now after the drop in price from the Zantac litigation? So first of all, we don't give advice here, right? Um, but I can tell you my opinion, of course. Look, I've been ignoring GSK for many years already. Of course, it often pops up in the screener just purely from a yield point of view. It had nine years without dividend growth. They might have hiked a little bit the dividend last year. I, I, don't even track it too much, but nine years flat dividend before at least. Um, for me, it's a struggling business already for a decade, hence why I'm just ignoring GSK. And I know they are now spinning off the consumer business. I'm just happy that Unilever didn't buy it. Um, so, and then with the litigation, yeah, I think they're in big trouble. If you've got, I said, if you, we see we just see it with European companies that they can't deal really with litigations. So, and what I'm also learning right with litigations, if you look at Johnson Johnson, 3M, uh, Bayer, I think this takes at least a year, just generally at least a year. So you have time to think about what to do. But um, um, yeah, GSK is for me a stock that I would never invest in based on on how they are performing and how they are doing. They cut the dividend before, did they? Am I imagining that? Um, I, I just know that they had a nine-year flat dividend. If I look at the dividend history, I just don't have the, the last numbers from uh, 2022. Okay. Um, Gordon has asked us about earnings. So earnings come in all shapes and sizes and forms. What's your least favorite earnings report with regard to readability and transparency? And then the second part of that is if you haven't got a lot of time to check Aaron's call, what kind of things, metrics do you at least quickly check? So I've been reading a lot of earnings reports over the last two, three weeks. And there was one that I was really thinking about, oh, what is this an ugly earnings report? I just can't remember anymore which it was because just 
trying to to make a soup out of it was was really really hard um here so gordon if it comes back to my mind i will look up your tweet and i will reply to you uh, but generally anything where where they are putting the headline so some companies what they do they put in the headline we had an amazing quarter or something like that and then you look at the numbers and you think like wow what a what, what, what bad yeah so i first of all it pisses me already off. no not pisses me already off but it, it, i said it just um it just annoys me let's say when when they put the, these kinds of headlines and secondly when they put mainly adjusted numbers uh if in, in in the first page of the earnings report and you need to go to page 24 to find the real uh, uh earnings numbers based on the accounting standards yeah that that's really what i dislike because it costs me time and it, I, I don't find it investor friendly and someone that is really interested in what the real earnings are yeah um orange for me is really horrible to read it's it's a hard read um are you reading it in french <laughs> no i read i read it in english and that's worse okay <laughs> but it, it's even the colors everything is horrible it's just it's hard to look at it's like black and orange real dark in contrast and then even uh, the numbers it's it's not as clear but and um, that's probably the worst one the worst one i read um in terms of the second question what if, if you're quickly checking checking i check revenue number sales uh, free cash flow and uh debt just to see if they are either growing or shrinking and of course earnings per share as well um just yeah. just quite quickly similar here similar here yeah and i usually scan if there is no like um i said no major news that that needs my attention yeah yeah um the last question then is from the investing dosage any mm -hmm. views about deutsche post deutsche post yeah so i quickly looked into it for the before the show uh, so uh, i don't have a good understanding of this company i use their services with dhl quite a lot um, can't complain about it always on time always good never damaged packages so that's all good um we just looked in it that profile looks okay for such a company usually i expect more depth uh, in, in such a company i know it is also kind of industry leader here over here in north europe europe um dividends uh, has been growing for the last what is it, seven eight years there was like a two or three flat years yeah. of flat dividend but you know I'm, I'm i don't punish companies for that in europe um so balance sheet look good dividend was nicely covered 43 percent i think um uh, payout ratio their dividend policy i believe is between 40 and 60 percent so honestly if they continue just to grow their business i think you're talking here about uh, an interesting company that at least uh, hits my screen and numbers cool yeah look good we were flicking through just before um looks looks um like a decent european european company i'm i'm not invested probably don't intend looking at them but doesn't look like a bad option yeah same here same here okay awesome that's the the last question thanks a million to all, all the guys for for all your questions again apologies i missed last week i was out sunning myself uh getting that vital vitamin d that we that we don't get in ireland too too often but um much appreciated for for all the questions and that brings us to the end of the show i think